Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. As you may or may not recall, a few weeks ago, I shared with you that I did a funeral for a 95-year-old man um, who was in the Battle of the Bulge. And in researching for that service, I looked up the Battle of the Bulge and I found that there were 20,000 U.S. troops who had died in that battle. And this man at the time was a young man, was um, a gunner, and uh, his job was to protect the bases essentially by shooting down enemy aircraft. But as I I learned more and more about this man, um, you come to realize that there is a a, a deep uh, sense of love for his comrades that had passed away. As I thought about the Battle of the Bulge, as I thought about war itself, as I thought about all the, 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 the violence that happens and pervades our world, um, you, you end up thinking, you ask the question, just why? You know, why, why is there war at all? Why is there battle at all? Why do people do that at all? And the reality is, is that most of us, most people, most sane people, don't want any battle, don't want any war, don't want any fighting, don't want any killing. We would all agree that we would love to have peace. And that's exactly what God offered at the garden was peace for each one of us. But then through sin, uh, all of a sudden, Cain and Abel, we had violence right away. And um, through that, throughout generations, people have battled to conquer and to take over and uh, pride and and the lust for flesh and lust for things uh, caused people to continue to battle and to tear away life. But why did the people go to war, the people that would lay down their lives? They go to war in order to defend, in our case, freedom. Um, They go to war to provide freedom to their loved ones, provide freedom for their children, provide freedom for future generations. And so um, there are not very many that want to go to war just to hurt. They want to go to war to maintain peace. And the reality is is that people run from battle and people run to battle, uh, both for the same reason, a desire for peace. And so when we think about this uh, Memorial Day and we think about Frequency, the series that we're in, um, I'm... uh, forced really to, to kind of think about um, what the scripture teaches us about the God of all peace and when it comes to the freedoms that we have. I want to start in Romans 5. It will not be on your screen. I um, added this a little bit later after I turn my notes in. But Romans 5, I want to begin there and then we're going to jump over to Romans 8. But Romans 5, beginning in verse 1 down to 11, says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and which we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ Jesus died for the who? Ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us, even that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall be saved by him from the wrath of God. 
For if while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God that through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Jump over to Romans 8 as we begin and think about this. Then, therefore, is now no condemnation. Everybody say no condemnation. No condemnation for you. For those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for a friend. But why would he lay down his life? And that's what I want to share with you today. When we talk about tuning into the Holy Spirit, why in the world did Jesus lay down his life? Why in the world do we have this, this opportunity to know God through Christ, and empowered by the Spirit. If you're jotting notes, write this down. In Christ, we are freed out of sin to walk in the Spirit. In Christ, we are freed out of sin to walk in the Spirit. There's a reason, there's a purpose that Christ died for you and for me. When we think about Memorial Day and we think about what is the reason that people would go to battle, it's for peace, it's for, it's for, for us, it's for our health, it's for our future. And so when we think about Christ, we think, you know, why did Christ do that? He didn't do that so we could continue in our sin. He didn't do that so that we could just frivolously live out and waste our time with our lives. Christ died to free us out of sin. And so some of us, we we need to to have a healthy dose of, of, of a disgust for sin. Because some of us, we kind of feel like, well, Christ died so that I can continue in my sin. And that would be so, so far off base from what God has done for you and for me. When we think about our, our, our life, when we think about what Christ died for, why did He lay down His life? He didn't just lay down His life to give you a pass and let you wait until you get to heaven to meet Him. He, he, he died so that you might have freedom from sin. In fact, look at the, in verse 5, it said who He died for. It said that He died in verse 8, I'm sorry, verse 6. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. We, we are labeled, before Christ died for us, we are labeled as ungodly. When we look and we says, it says that we are justified by His blood. It says that we are saved through Him. It says that we are given reconciliation. But before He did that, while we were still sinners, He died for the ungodly. Do you think you have to ask yourself this question when we think about tuning into the spirit of God, tuning into what God wants for us day in and day out? When we try to tune in and think about how then shall we live? We have to think about ourselves. Do you think do I think that Christ died for the ungodly so that we would continue to be ungodly? That would be so foolish. He, he didn't die for us so that we would remain ungodly. He died for us to pull us closer to His godliness, to His sense of being. And so for you and I, when we think about the Spirit of God, when we think about tuning in, what is it that we're tuning into? We're attempting to tune into the godliness 
that Christ died to, to give us. In Christ, we are freed out of sin. We are freed to walk in the Spirit. And it's in the Spirit that we are saved. It's in the Spirit that we are saved. For God has done what the law weakened by flesh could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That's the purpose of Christ dying, to condemn sin in the flesh. Not to excuse it, not to give it new life, not to allow us to walk and live with it, but to condemn it, to shut it down. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in who? In us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You can know a lot about a person and never know the person. You could know a lot about Tolly Wilgus. You, you could Google and learn a lot about me without ever knowing my heart. You, you can learn a lot about what did he do and what did he say. And from that, you could deduce your opinions. But to know my heart, you may look and say, wow, that, that's a different dude than, than what the Internet says. And the same way, many of us, I believe, we, we know about God without taking that step to know God. And so because of that, many of us, we, we still walk in our ungodliness because we know about God and about his goodness and about his grace, but we don't truly know him as good and know him as graceful. And so for you and I, you've got to ask ourselves, why did Jesus die for me? He didn't just die so that the ungodly could remain ungodly. He died so that the ungodly could banish that and walk a new life by the Spirit. You and I, as we tune into the frequency of God, the frequency of the Holy Spirit, we've just got to ask, Father, am I walking today in your godliness? Am I walking today in your light? Am I walking today in your truth? I often wonder, why did Christ die? Did He die just to give Tali continued permission to live in sin? Did He die to give Tali continued permission to be selfish? And self-absorbed? Did he, did he die to give Tali permission to continue to just listen to the enemy and do what the enemy wants? Did he die so that Tali would, would, would be greedy and hurt others? No, he died for that ungodly person. So that being led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, then the godliness would start to show in this world. And so you and I, when we think about frequency, don't just think about, well, man, I'm really glad Jesus died for me. Ask the question, why did Jesus die for me? To give me a new life, for sure. But that new life starts now. Am I tuned in to the Spirit of God so that I can walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit? Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh, look at this, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. Look how many times you see the word set their mind. Verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh Cannot please God. You, however, those who have trusted Christ, you, however, 
are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact, everybody say, if in fact. If in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life because, is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The challenge here is that where are we setting our minds? Where are we setting our minds? When we, when we wake up, when we pursue our lives, when we pursue our career, when we think about our family, when we think about our kids, when we think about our spouse, when we think about getting a spouse, when we think about being uh, single and celibate, when we think about all of these things, where are we setting our minds? The Scripture says that if you are in Christ and you are sealed by the Spirit, then you will set your mind. Think about that. When I come home every day, I, I take my wallet out of my pocket and I take my keys out of my pocket and I rest them in the same place so that when I'm about to leave again, I can finally find them. Amen? And, and so I set, my, I set my keys, I set my wallet on a place that I know where it's going to be. And it's my choice to do that. Or I could live a life where I just walk in and I just throw my keys and say, this will be a fun game when I'm ready to look, get out to my car. Right? And so the scripture is like, hey, where are you setting your mind? Where, where are you putting your mind down so that you know that, that it's a secure place? You know, if I put my mind here, I'm going to be good. And the scriptures argue to us today in Romans 8, the scripture argues that, you know what, those of you who are in the flesh will allow your mind to focus and set and rest in the flesh. You will think about flesh things. You will think about your, whatever craving you have and whatever want you have and whatever. You will allow your flesh to determine your destiny. And the scripture says, but there's an alternative because Christ died for you, because you were sealed by the spirit, because you walk with the one who saved you, you will set your mind on the spirit. And so when you take that, that, that wallet out, when you take those keys out, you set it at a place where it'll be good. You set it at a place where you know it's going to be. You set it at a place to where when you need it, it's going to be there. Many of us, the scripture argues, many of us, although we trust Christ to save us, we still set our minds in the flesh. When a dispute comes up, do we go to the Lord and say, Lord, Figure, funnel this out for me. I, I don't get it, Lord. Or, or, or do we react? I'm, uh, we've been going over as a group Enneagram. And in Enneagram, this one hits home for me because in the Enneagram, it says, all, well, it, it says that we all kind of have a, a deep reaction or response to, to things. And so I'm an, an eight in Enneagram. And an eight in Enneagram, essentially, it, it goes from like, as long as things are cool, it's cool. But if it's not, it's like, like a flame. And so I've got to be careful even in how I respond to things. And I still have to learn how to respond to things well to be sure that I'm setting my mind on things of the Spirit. And so when things go wrong and, and, and when things are frustrating, it's where do we set our minds? Do we set our minds on the flesh? Because the flesh just says, I'm going to win no matter what. The Spirit says, we want Jesus to win. So in your marriage, am I going to win or is Jesus going to win here? In, in, in your education, am I going to win? In your uh, combat at, at work, 
in your relationships in the family. Some of us, after we're out of the house, you still have conflict with siblings and all that stuff. Who's going to win here? Do you set your mind on the flesh? Or do you set your mind on the spirit? Now, it doesn't mean that if you set your mind on the spirit that the Lord won't allow things to work out for your, your glo- or his glory and your good. In fact, Romans 8.28 promises that later in this chapter. However, how it's done, when it's done, under what temperature it's done. And and all these things are just, do we set our mind on the flesh? Or do we set our mind on the Spirit? The Scripture makes the argument, Paul makes the argument here, that if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, if in fact, then what we're going to do is set our mind on things of the Spirit. One other point to make here, just as you're studying for yourself, when you think about the Old and the New Testament, you have to understand that the Old Testament predominantly sets up the law, what's described as the law. And Jesus, this, Jesus said, I didn't come to banish the law, I came to fulfill it. And then Paul says, hey, the law is fulfilled in you when you are walking according to the Spirit. When you're walking according to the Spirit, here's why, you will naturally do the things the Scripture says that there is no law against. You will naturally have love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and respect. You'll naturally gravitate to the things of God. Because if you're being led by God, he's going to take you to where his heart is. But if we're led by our flesh, the scripture says that our heart, our fleshly heart, is deceitful. That if we're led by our flesh, we're going to end up doing things that are not according to God's law. But grace, and a lot of us, we say, well, man, I got grace. It's a good thing I got grace. I'm not according to the law. No, no, no. You have grace so that your life can fulfill the law. This is the idea that you are no longer, you are no longer captive to your sin. Remember at the beginning of, of, of chapter 8, you are freed from sin to walk in the Spirit. So when you set your mind on things of the Spirit, you're not freed to go back and delve into that sinful life. You are freed to allow the Spirit to lead you now. But when you're captive to sin, when you're captive to your flesh, you can't fulfill the law on your own because you'll want to do what you want to do. And those are contrary things to God. Frequency, tuning into the spirit. In the spirit, another lesson that we see here is in the spirit. I'm sorry, in our flesh, we fight God's ways in his spirit. We submit to them in our flesh. We fight God, God's ways. In the Spirit, we submit to them. You see, and, and all of our flesh wants to do is just do what pleases us. All of our flesh wants to do is just say mine and more. And, and I'm, I've got to be greedy. I've got to protect myself. And I've got to fight against you. And so the flesh has a battle that's constantly raging against the things of God. The Spirit says, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, your way is better. Lord, your ways are good. Lord, you know who I am from the time that you created me. And so, Lord, therefore, I trust you that if I walk life according to your plan, I'm going to end up better. And really, the flesh versus spirit debate for us is really an issue of do I trust the Lord in my life? It's a simple yes or no when it comes down to that. You and I decide, do I trust the Lord enough to let the spirit lead me here? And the Spirit may say, Tali, you're going to have to take a loss in the short run in order to build a friend in the long run. Am I willing to trust God that I can take that loss? Or do I have to win every single chance I get? 
The flesh is going to say, win every chance you get because there's no security. You're the only one that you can count on. And as a result, you're going to end up uh, going out and living a life that is all about the flesh, all about yourself. And so the Scripture says, hey, live according to the Spirit instead. Verse 12 says this, So then, brothers, we are debtors. I mean, we owe a debt. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. You, have no, you don't have any debt. You don't have to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, what does it say? You will die. Die is separation from the Lord. You will die. But if by the Spirit you put the death to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For if you did not, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we're heirs. If heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. The Scripture says that we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, but to the Spirit. If by the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And then it gets down in the suffering. And, and I almost feel like this, the word suffering should be in air quotes. I think if we wrote this today, we, we would have some sarcasm quotes there. Because we would kind of say suffering that speaking of is, is putting to death this body. Fighting that battle of flesh where, where the flesh has to lose out. That's the suffering that we would go through if we cry out and by adoption we call Him Abba, Father. Our soul comes alive when we find life in the Spirit. Our soul comes alive when we find life in the Spirit. You see, the reality is, is that you and I, the flesh or the Spirit, we find life somewhere. We find joy somewhere. We find peace somewhere. We find happiness. And you go through the list. We try to find these things somewhere. And it's not as if the, this world and the, the entire flesh that we have, it's not as if all of this is 100% always evil. No, no, no. God created it. It is just a fallen representation of the ultimate good. And so God says, hey, you know what? You're going to be looking for joy somewhere. Would you look to the Spirit of God? You're going to be looking for peace somewhere. Would you look to the Spirit of God? You're, you're going to be looking for happiness. You're going to be looking for hope. You're going to be looking for all of these things. You're going to be looking for rest for your soul. You're going to be looking somewhere. Will you look to the Spirit of God? And the Scriptures are calling us and crying out and say, you don't have a debt to the flesh. Don't continue to live your life believing you've got to go to that well in order to get life out of it. You don't have a debt there. You don't have to live in your flesh. You don't have to live according to every little want you have. You can put this body of flesh to death one decision at a time. And one decision at a time, you could say, Lord, I'm going to hold off. I've been um, talking to, to my wife about uh, just diets and, and things that I'm interested in. And one of the things with, with eating healthy, let's not even say diet, but just eating healthy, is the constant decision to say no to stuff. Right? Like that's what tears at us. Is it's the constant decision to just say, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. 
I don't need to do that. And so what happens is there's this there's this little bit of suffering that has to happen in the short run if you have a longer term gain. And so the scripture cries out and says, hey, you know what? The spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Will we find our joy in the flesh? Will we continue to go to the mind of the flesh? Will we continue to try to find peace through our flesh? Or we will find these things in the Spirit. We will suffer in our flesh or our soul. The reality is we'll suffer in our flesh or in our soul. You'll feed your flesh and deprive your soul. Or you'll feed your soul. And in doing so, it deprives the flesh. The reality is there's a lot of people that accepted Jesus as Christ or Messiah, but not Lord. There's even a branch of theology called Lordship Salvation. The idea that that you and I, we, we are not saved until Jesus becomes our Lord. Many people can cry out, hey Jesus, can you just give me new life? Awesome, thanks Jesus. But it's more difficult to cry out, Jesus, will you be Lord of this life? Meaning, the Spirit of God in me, whenever you say something, I'm going to do it. Whenever you say, I will obey. We will suffer in our flesh or we'll suffer in our soul. Last one for today. We receive the Spirit as sons and daughters of God. When you and I think about our lives, at the end of the day, obedience, following the Spirit of God in our lives, allowing His choice to be our choice. We're not doing this because there's... Uh, an, an evil, bully, mean God. No, the Scripture tells us that we're receiving. We are co-heirs with Christ. We become sons and daughters of God. And as a result, this is Daddy who loves us. This is Daddy, Abba Father, who knows better. This is Daddy who cares most. And so when we listen to Daddy who loves us and knows best and cares most, then we have the best life available to us. And so we're crying out and listening to the Spirit of God because we are sons and daughters of God. I believe many of us, we have a difficult time even in our relationship with God as Father because of our own brokenness with our own earthly parents. And as a result, some of us, we have a hard time being able to trust Daddy. And the Scripture uses this metaphor, this idea of a father who's involved and loving and caring. And Abba is the greatest form of love that you could cry out. And we're crying out, I love you, Daddy. And Daddy says, awesome. These are the ways I want you to find joy. These are the ways I want you to find love. These are the ways I want you to find peace. These are the ways I want you to find happiness. Will you put to death the flesh and will you follow the Spirit? Because at the end of the day, either your flesh is going to hurt so that your spirit can thrive or your flesh is going to win and your spirit will be deprived. And so you and I, we have to understand in listening to the Spirit and letting go of the flesh, it's because there's our Father in Heaven, our Daddy, who knows better, loves us most, and wants the best for the life that He designed us to be. And I pray this week, as we walk, as we go, and we think about even this weekend with Memorial Day 
I pray that we will think about, why did Jesus die for me? Did, did Jesus die so that I'll just continue to live an ungodly life? Or did Jesus die to free me from that so that I can live in the Spirit? The Scripture says that in the flesh, I could never fulfill the law. In the flesh, I could never please God. In the flesh, I could never get spiritual rewards if I'm living in the flesh. But if I live in the Spirit, that's why He died. If I live in the Spirit, I do have access to the throne of heaven. If I live in the Spirit, my, my soul comes alive. I was talking to um, somebody in our church today, and they said, you know, um, getting older, it, it can be trying at times. It can be difficult. And I said, tell me about it. I'm about to be 40. I, I told somebody else this morning that I, I hurt my ankle about six months ago and it still hurts when I wake up in the morning. So I, I totally relate to people in their 80s. No, but, but here's, here's the deal. It, is at the end of the day, we are souls who have bodies. We're not flesh that happens to have a soul. You are a soul first. And the Spirit of God comes and speaks to you. And the Spirit of God gives you wisdom. And the Word of God gives you wisdom. And the salvation through Jesus gives you the ability to bring that soul to life. We're confused oftentimes about what is happiness. And so we, we, we reach for what is easy and simple and quick. And easy, simple, quick is the flesh. And when you do that time after time after time, you wonder why your soul feels smaller and smaller inside your body. It's because the flesh decisions don't allow your soul to thrive and come alive. But if over time, you will turn and you'll say, Spirit of God, lead me. Lead me in this conversation. Lead me in this meeting. Lead me in this business venture. Lead me in this decision. Lead me in buying this house. Lead me in renting this house. Lead me in my roommates. Lead me in my marriage. Lead me in my, with my children. Spirit of God, lead me, lead me, lead me. And before long, your flesh has to, quote, suffer, but your soul comes alive. I pray to God this week as you think about Memorial Day, you'll say, why did Jesus die? He didn't die so that I would be ungodly feeding the flesh. He died so that my soul would come alive and Abba Father would smile over me. I pray this week you and I would practice not gratifying the things of the flesh, but practice walking in the Spirit so that our Abba Father can shine over us and our soul that's on the inside comes alive.